Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. My guest today is Sarah Murdoch, professional tour guide, travel writer, artist, and occasional architect who has traveled the world and yet keeps her feet on the ground. Her popular packing lecture, Packing Light and Right, has helped thousands of travelers. For everything about Sarah Murdoch, and that's S-A-R-A-H, go to adventureswithsarah.net, and you can follow her on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. And Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So what got you into the world of travel? I know it was at a young age. Uh, I actually started traveling with uh, my family. My dad is from Ireland, and so we went to visit my family in Ireland when I was uh, about 10 years old. And I just really enjoyed it, and I loved the differences uh, between American culture and European culture. And so I really got it into my head, because I love to paint and I love to draw, uh, that I wanted to see the Sistine Chapel. So starting at about 18 years old, I started saving up money to go back to Europe, because we didn't go to Italy at that time. So I saved up, and I went back to Italy when I was about 20 years old. And loved it so much, I decided to study architecture and study in Rome. So I studied in Rome in the mid-90s. And just even once I got my job as an architect, I just kept wanting to go back. And I decided, uh, somebody asked me, if you could do anything, what would you do? And I said, oh, I don't know, maybe be be a travel writer. And so I applied and got a job with Rick Steves uh, in 2000 as a travel writer and a tour guide and sort of have been on the road ever since. I think everybody in the world of travel knows the name Rick Steves. He's been around for a long time, and you've been working for him, as you mentioned, for a while, too. And there's this classic presentation that you made. I think it was on a cruise ship. I remember watching it years ago, and it was a your packing tutorial, but you've done several since. Did you come up with the idea that that's what most people needed to know was how to pack so that they could enjoy the trip rather than lugging? the luggage, the 80 pounds of luggage, taking everything, including the kitchen sink with them to Europe and beyond? Well, it was a funny thing, actually, how I started into the packing piece of my my business and what I do. Because I, when I worked for Rick Steves in the past, I uh, somebody came up to me one day and said, hey, we, we need somebody to do a packing talk. They did these regularly. And the person who was supposed to do it that particular Saturday was unavailable. And nobody else who did lectures regularly was available. So they called and they said, could you do this? And I said, well, I just got back. I don't even know how to do a packing talk. And they said, we know you can figure it out. Just have fun with it. So I showed up with my bag full of dirty laundry. <laughs> I had literally walked in the door two days before, got back. And I travel with a backpack because I really prefer it. So it makes you more agile. You can get from your plane to your train to your bus without having to worry about lugging something behind you. So I've always traveled with a backpack. And I've learned tricks over the years, my own tricks. So I show up with this backpack full of stinky laundry <laughs> at a theater and there's 300 people in the theater and I walk up there and they had a table and I just looked at the audience and I said, well, you're going to get the completely unbiased, unfiltered sort of what does a tour guide take with them when they travel in Europe for two months? Look, and please hold your noses because I haven't washed anything. <laughs> and I just literally emptied my backpack out on the table and showed everybody what I what I had and why I put those things in my bag. And what was really funny is that everybody loved it. And it was really funny because I'd never thought to teach packing and, and even tell people how I went about stuff uh, because people would joke that I was Mary Poppins, you know, that I could pull <laughs> many things out of my bag. So um, my basic philosophy and the, the main point that I try to teach people 
is to not think about how many things you bring. It's not thinking about that at all. You have to change the way you approach things. And this comes very much from my background as an architect. It's like Tetris, right? You need to maximize the number of things that you bring with you in your bag based on the maximum amount of weight you want to bring. So by weighing all of the things that you want to bring with you, you can kind of hack packing in that way. So instead of saying, oh, you should bring six pairs of pants and three pairs of shorts and two t-shirts, I don't say that. What I say is you need to look at what your airline says is the maximum carry-on weight and what you physically can carry. What is that number? There's a number. Might be 15 pounds, might be 10 pounds. And then you need to pack to that weight. And it's just an interesting thing that I've always done with my own packing. And I never thought to explain to somebody else. So that's when I started doing it and people loved it. It's really kind of a strange side tangent that took (laughs) me in a completely direction. Yeah, it took off. And we're going to talk about your other tangents as well. But the thing about packing that always amazed me was, in general, people not just think about taking everything that they, they, they think they want to bring their home with them. A lot of people do, not everybody. But even those who pack light, I've watched videos on YouTube where they say, yes, we're going to pack light. Now, for this 10-day trip, I'm taking five shirts and five pants and 20 socks. And I'm thinking, well, that's not light. And somehow they get it all into the suitcase or the backpack. It would seem to me that the best way to approach this is what I've heard is that, let's say you're traveling for a month, but you just pack for a week and just prepare to do laundry for the rest of the time. And it's not that hard to do laundry. And that way you keep your you keep it light and you can, as you say, put it on a backpack and make it work. Yeah, that's another approach. I mean, you don't need to bring everything in the world. You just need to bring things that hit the, the particular activities you're doing. So you're going to bring something very different to Iceland than you are going to bring to Sicily, for example. So you need to think through what is it that you need and only bring just what you need and assume you can wash clothes along the way somewhere. Although, you know, sometimes you can't, sometimes it's hard. So what I do, I bring things that the things that can be washed, that's underwear, you have to wash. So the the important thing is to decide on what it is you have to wash, because you don't always get a chance to do a whole laundry for a week. And here's the magic trick. You take those, those particular things with yourself. So I wash my underclothes when I'm shampooing my hair. So just little tricks like that. That's the way that you can keep up with your laundry throughout a trip. And then, yeah, you're right. You can bring just a week's worth of laundry, even for a six or seven week trip. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Is your family used to your wanderlust in that since it started at an early age and now you're in adulthood, obviously, any members of your family still amazed that you do this or are they all supportive? Oh, they're all supportive. Yeah. My kids are part of the act now. They come along with me. They're in a lot of my videos. They travel with me for a part of the year. My family, my my dad is going to come with me and he's going to be a co-guide on a tour that I'm doing in Ireland this next year. So yeah, they love it. They love what I do. And it's it's just a part of my life and everybody kind of is okay with that. One of the things that I mentioned it in the opening is that a lot of your advice that you give to people is down-to-earth advice that you, you get real in terms of what to pack, what to bring, how to deal with certain situations. And you don't necessarily see that a lot of times with people who are in that world. Have you always done that in terms of just being down to earth and practical and saying, look, you have to deal with this and this is how you do it. And, or here's two ways to deal with it. And things happen. You're human. I think that comes very much from my background as being a tour guide. I've been a tour guide for more than 20 years and I've seen everything. I've seen people break all kinds of bones. I've had medical emergencies. I've seen everything. And because of that experience, I know what works and what doesn't. And the thing is that 
you know, yeah, my job looks super exotic and super, you know, glamorous, but the reality is you're going to be miserable if you don't bring the right underwear. You're going to be miserable if your shoes don't fit. And that's the thing is I want people to have great trips and great experiences. And if you are thoughtful about the way you pack, it's not a glamorous topic, but it's so important, you know? So yeah, plain speaking is important in telling people the nitty gritty. That's the difference, I think, between me and other travel writers is that I don't talk about like cliff diving in Curacao or whatever. What I talk about is how many pairs of underwear should you bring with you? (laughs) Makes perfect sense. What's your best piece of advice for people along those lines? It doesn't have to be underwear, but just your best number one piece of advice for a first time traveler and then a long term traveler that may not know that piece of advice. For a first time traveler, you just keep in mind, nobody ever got home and said, I wish I'd have packed more. There's nobody in history that's ever said, I wish I had packed more. You can always buy anything that you're missing when in any country, it doesn't matter. I go to Asia, I go to all kinds of places that are very exotic. Every single place on earth has a toothbrush and toothpaste. And so many people get on planes feeling nervous because they they may pack too much because they're worried they're going to miss something. The reality is you can buy basically everything almost anywhere in the world. Even in really remote places, you'll find the same stuff. So you need to kind of take that fear away. And for people who are very um, sort of experienced travelers, my challenge to them is how little can you bring? You know, can you bring just a light bag that's under 10, 15 pounds? Can you do that? Like you should challenge yourself because you'll find if you do that, your life as a traveler will exponentially improve because then you can be so light on your feet. You can jump on and off public transportation. It doesn't matter about these. You probably heard about all these problems the airlines are having with getting baggage handling done right. You don't worry about that if you're a carry-on traveler. So you have to travel, just travel with only what you need and what you can take into your life from that. It's not just in travel, but you come home with the philosophy that why do I own so many things? This is what I've really come to in my own life. You know, if I can live out of a backpack for eight weeks, I come home to my 2,700 square foot house full of crap. And I'm like, well, I don't need any of this stuff, you know? (laughs) Right. You're a minimalist in your own way from traveling. That's what brought you to that world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So really the essential thing you have to take with you, because as you said, you can get anything anywhere, but medicine probably be the number one thing to take with you. Yeah. That's important to do, but you can also bring prescriptions with you. So if you have a really critical medication, bring your doctor's prescription with you. But here's the other little trick a lot of people don't know. Pharmacies abroad will often sell you things that you have difficulty getting at home. For example, you know, there are certain medications I take that, you know, I can get over the counter without a prescription when I'm traveling in places such as Thailand. So don't get too wrapped up in that stuff. Bring your prescription. But yeah, medications in most countries you can you can find. And some of them you can even find for cheaper than you find them in the United States. You referenced the airlines earlier, and I think stress comes from just getting on a plane. So do you have a couple of tips for people in terms of minimizing that stress of going through security, settling down in your seat, and just enjoying the ride? I think that it's all about state of mind. You know, I'm a mom. I have two kids that are teenagers. I'm a single mom. I run my own business. I have, you know, 10 guides who work for me doing my tours. So for me, I see the airplane as my my haven. I see it as my the the capsule, the place where nobody can call me. <laughs> I don't log on to the internet. A lot of people like connecting to the internet on the plane. I don't. What I like to do is put on my headphones with some music, play solitaire, have somebody make me a cocktail. Like, I'm sorry, I'm a mom. Like nobody makes me dinner. 
So I love sitting down and having somebody bring me my own dinner. I would say that the top tip for comfort on a plane for everybody is to consider buying compression socks. If you want to really increase your, your enjoyment of a plane, it sounds really strange, but if you wear these knee socks that give you compression, they actually make you feel more calm in your seat. They don't, if you have restless legs, for example, but they also have been shown to make jet lag not so bad. It's something about the circulation. It really does help your mood and your attitude. And some people, you know, do better if they take a few gummies from the cannabis store that, I mean, I'm not one of them, but some people do. I'm For me, just a gin and tonic is good. But yeah, it's all about the way you look at it. I look at it as being my time when nobody can disturb me. I can read, I can write, I can watch a movie. And when you have that kind of mental positivity, I think it makes the trip a lot easier. Does it make sense when you're, because you're a tour guide as well, I mean, you do so many things and I want to talk about your art as well. But when you're a tour guide, you could pretty much lose any luggage you might want to check in. But the one thing I would imagine that you need is that little amplifier thing and the microphone so that when you're giving a tour, people can hear you. Because, I, yes, you could probably buy it somewhere wherever you go, but it takes time out to do that. So I would imagine that's the one thing you must have with you all the time. Oh, that's the thing that I, it's the one thing I hate because I can't actually live my advice as much as I'd like is that <laughs> I do have these things called whisper systems. They're a broadcasting system. So it's a little box of the microphone that I wear. So when I talk, all of my individual people can hear me. So they each have a little radio. So I have to bring 20 radios with me. Oh, okay. Uh, See, I'm, do, a, I'm old school because yeah. I thought it was a little microphone with a little speaker amplifier. So that way. Yeah, no, we, we're not allowed to use those anymore because they're kind of noisy. So yeah, instead we have these ones where people plug their headphones in and then they can hear me. They're like old school Walkman, you know? Right. Uh, and that is a little bit of a drag because that's about... I know what it weighs. It weighs about four pounds. <laughs> and if my if I can only bring 15 pounds with me, that takes up a lot of weight, but it does really um, help with the quality of life of my guests. So, you know, I just suck it up and carry it. I would imagine too, that because you lead so many tours, in a way it's herding cats because yes. you're going from point A to point B and all of a sudden one of the tour group is busy looking out somewhere else or talking to somebody and not hearing what you're saying. And so that's part of your job is to herd them and get them to going to the next spot. It is part of my job, but I also look at it, at least my tours are a little bit different than maybe mainstream tours or a Rick Steves tour or Insight or something like this. I have smaller groups. We have only about 12 people on a lot of tours, maximum 15, 16. And so smaller groups help, but also the way I look at it is I tell people, you know, I'm not your mom. I'm here to just help you tailor your vacation to yourself. So if we're doing an activity that doesn't appeal to you, just let me know where you're, I can meet you later. You know, and we all, one of the things that's really changed in tour guiding for me is that I, again, changed my point of view. And instead of worrying about my guests and where they are, we have a WhatsApp group. And so I just basically send messages out to everybody in my group and I tell them the strategic points of the day. And if somebody wants to peel off, it's okay. They can just meet me later. So I try to keep my groups a little bit more informal and family style so that I don't get too wrapped up in worrying about where people are and herding cats, you know. What happens when you have a group of people who are not that into technology? Are you mm -hmm. still able to use the WhatsApp and also all of the other technology that they yeah. have to deal with? It, you know, it's usually not a problem. Most people these days do have a cell phone, even if they don't know how to use it. And I'm happy to sit down. I usually sit down the first night and help anybody who might need it to get uh, WhatsApp loaded or any other kind of technology. But for the most part, 
That's an interesting question, actually, because I would say 10 years ago, I couldn't have done something like that. Right. But I would say the majority of travelers these days do have cell phones that do function in other countries. And it's not, it's not a problem anymore as it used to be. Great. I'm a gadget guy. So I have a lot of gadgets. And when I travel and my wife looks at me very strangely because I seem to have more gadgets than clothes when we travel because I fall for all travel gadget stuff. But I like it. I mean, it's just what it is. I've, I've pared down. So I'm get, becoming more like you in a minimalistic way. If I were to throw it to you and say, okay, Sarah, is there one travel gadget that you absolutely must have with you when you travel? And I know it's personal to everybody, but what would yours be and what would you recommend to other people? The one, or maybe two. Oh, gosh. Okay. So electronics you're talking about, yeah? Any kind of gadget. It could be something, uh, I have one of these things that allow you to sleep sitting up that I don't even know is on the market anymore. I think it was called a travel halo. Other people use pillows. Uh, and yeah, stuff. I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, I, and I've used that, and that seems to help. But I, I don't like the pillows. But yeah, it could be electronics. It could be some sort of clothing that you absolutely must have to take with you. So sure. I'm going to expand the term gadget in that sense. Well, I would say for sure, compression socks for planes. That's that's a really good one. The other thing that I kind of can't live without are the, the very earphones, uh, headphones I'm wearing right now. They're Bose noise canceling headphones. They make my life so much better because on the airplane, I don't think we realize how much ambient noise there is on an airplane. The other thing that's lovely about these is if you're staying in a hotel that's really noisy, you can put them on and sleep with them on. So um, I really love my headphones. Those are probably one of my favorite gadgets. But I would also say just a really good day bag is I would put it in the gadget category. In fact, I, I use a bag maker called Tom Bin. And they have wonderful bags that have all these little clip-on pouches and things like yes. that. So it's almost like a Swiss Army knife of bags, in a sense. And I think if you have really good quality gear, that that makes your trip so much easier. Yes, I have a Synapse, and I have used that forever. Yeah. And I have a TriStar, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, yeah those are the bags I use. <laughs> I even, when we visited Seattle, I went to the factory. just to ch I wanted to check out the factory. I ended up buying uh, a combination packing cube day pack. So it was kind of yeah. a, that type of thing. So there's a free well, shout and, out and, to Tom Bin. And since you've just mentioned that, I would say that I'm going to take back everything I just said. And I'm going to say the best travel gadget is the packing cube. That is the best invention in the history of travel. And I've been using them for more than 20 years. Uh, it was Eagle Creek that actually started making those. And they were fantastic. I still have my Eagle Creek set from years ago. So I use packing cubes for everything. And you put you know, your underwear in one, your shirts in another, your pants in another. And I can tear apart my bag and put it back together in a minute because I know I color code them also. So each bag is different. So I know exactly what it is. I just grab the bag, the packing cube, and I pull out what I need. It's like Tetris you mentioned earlier. You put it back in yes. a certain way. So it works out really well. Is there any issue you've ever encountered while you're traveling that stumped you for a while and then you solved it that might be applicable oh, to others? Oh, man. There's probably a lot. I don't even but. know where to. I don't know where to start with that question. <laughs> I run a tour company, so let me tell you. I feel like every day there's a, a there's a challenge. But this is what I love about my profession is that it is. I think of it as disaster management. You know, it's uh, controlling. It's controlling chaos, uh, right. especially because you know my my forte is Sicily and southern Italy, and so of course there's always <laughs> chaos. Uh, so there have been many experiences where just things have just gone completely sideways, but you figure out how to do it. You know, I've, I've arrived at restaurants where they forgot that we had a reservation. You know, I've, I've had hotels that for one reason or another didn't have enough rooms for all of us. Or one of my favorites was a local guide who I had hired to do the Uffizi Gallery 
she did, she forgot something happened and she didn't show up. And so I'm standing with 28 people in front of the Uffizi gallery with no local guide. And so I'm like, Alrighty, I'm doing the tour. And I just put on the microphone and I walked in and she caught us about halfway through and she was able to kind of finish the tour. But, you know, I think the you've got to roll with the punches in this. Right. I think you you almost have to have the mindset that something will go wrong and maybe think what the backup plan would be ahead of time for something like that. Yeah. And what's what's very funny is that when I meet with my colleagues, we all compare notes. And it's very funny because if somebody has a problem and you have a, a group of tour guides, we can come up with 25 solutions in five minutes or less because this is what we do. Yeah. Problem you know, solving. It's like, oh yeah, it's all problem. And I love it. I love it because of that, because it's yeah. a challenge and every tour is different. And, you know, we have people that have physical ailments that are going to have to go to the hospital or have problems and they have to go home early. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's creative, the kind of things that get thrown at you. And I love it. I mentioned in the beginning about passion. Are you still as passionate as you were when you first started traveling and you saw the Sistine Chapel? Are you still as passionate or is it a different kind of passion now as an adult and professional? I would say 100% more passionate about travel than I was back then because I I have seen that travel does so much good for this world. Uh, It's so good because it teaches people from small towns in the U.S. that there's a bigger world out there and they need to learn compassion for other cultures. I mean, a lot of people have that, but some people don't. I see travel as a two-way street. I think it's something where it improves both the person who is traveling and the people who are on the other side who are meeting you from those countries. And it's in different ways. I think it broadens people's understandings of other cultures, which is so important in these connected days. But also it can have an economic positive impact on cultures that maybe don't have another way to make good money. There is a kind of tourism that is, I would say, parasitic, you know, that is destructive. But I think for some places, especially when it's done sensitively, it's such a great benefit for locals, especially in third world countries, for example. So I don't know. I I think it does create connection amongst different cultures. So that's really important. Before I let you go, let's talk about your art, because you're not just traveling. You also have art and you have art on Etsy. So tell us a little bit about your art. Oh, I've been um, painting and drawing since I was a kid, and I was an architect as well. So I love to draw and look at the things around me. And what I have a lot of fun doing is linoleum cut prints. So they're blocks that you cut into, and I make prints that are kind of like postcards. And so I've been working on a series of A to Z, so all the different cities that I travel to. So I, I figure people used to buy postcards. We don't do that so much anymore. So they're sort of like artistic postcards to remind people of places that they have been before. So it's kind of a fun way to revive the postcard idea. And you're my first guest, I think, that's on Pinterest, because most guests are on some of the other social media channels, but not necessarily on Pinterest. So that's that's an interesting little part of your life as well. Future plans, are you going to stay doing exactly what you've been doing and incorporate more of your family, as you mentioned, in your travels, your two kids and your father? and You've got all those employees now as well. So are you expanding and expanding, or are you going to a whole other different world at some point? I think we're going to keep building Adventures with Sarah tours. Um, I have my business partner, Andrew Vallone. He and I um, do all kinds of tours in Europe, and then another business partner through a tour company called Imprint Tours, where we do real exotic things. So I think we're going to just continue to listen to our followers and our fans and find out where they want to go. I actually do just take requests. Um, I think the new sector that we're going to open up in our business is custom tours, doing small group custom tours where groups of 
between four and 10 people want to do something completely different. So we're, we can tailor make tours for them. That's I, We keep getting requests. I haven't even put out there that we do that, but we do. And that's been a, a whole new thing. But the next generation, of course, is going to be my kids. For sure, my older son wants to participate in the business in the future. So it's really fun. It's fun to have this business that we're slowly growing, adding new destinations around the world and being able to bring my kids in to do it. And the other thing, of course, I love doing is the travel writing. So travel writing and producing videos for YouTube, that's going to become something I focus on more on travel logs, things like that. So it's just, I love sharing the world with, with people, whether that's in person or through my work writing or, or producing videos. You're also doing virtual tours or slideshows as well. Yeah, I have a Patreon and um, the people who follow me on Patreon who subscribe, we do um, meetings once a quarter where I do a slideshow and I, I do virtual travel. So I show them where I've been. Sometimes I'll have special guests on who uh, will take us on live walks through the pyramids, for example, in Egypt. So it's a fun way of, of creating community as well. We also just have happy hours on Patreon where we all sit around and chat and talk about our love of travel. So I think that for me has been the most beautiful part of all of this is just the community, the Adventures with Sarah travel community that's kind of emerged from all of it, where we love doing virtual travel. So even people who can't travel are able to participate you know, they can watch my slideshows, they can watch my virtual tours on YouTube, all of these things. So it's a, it's a great, it's a great way to involve everybody. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Sarah Murdoch, professional tour guide, travel writer, artist, and occasional architect. For everything about Sarah Murdoch, go to adventureswithsarah.net and you can follow her on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. Sarah, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.